Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Woods, back with another Page One podcast with Nate Monroe. And um, JEA has been back in the news, not like, I don't feel like they've left the news quite a while. They've been keeping you busy. Much to my never-ending joy, JEA (laughs) continues to be on my plate. We take pleasure in seeing uh, Nate's Twitter feed about uh, JEA tormenting him. Um, The latest saga is, well, it's a continuing one, the battle over the... uh, controversial nuclear project in Georgia that's uh, led to a new agreement and downgraded credit on several JEA bonds. Um, I was going to say, first of all, kind of my layman's take from reading all this is that JEA gambled when it decided to make this deal with the nu- for the nuclear plant back in 2008. And then 10 years later, it gambles when it tries to get out of the deal. And that the gamble didn't pay off 10 years ago. You know, in hindsight, the 08 gamble doesn't pay off, and then it's kind of questionable whether this one's going to pay off too. Is that, am I reading it right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, um, to be fair to JEA, choices about what, what power sources to pick, um, what fuels to pick, um, those are always gambles. Right. You know, these, I mean, that's part of what makes the utility industry really complicated is, these companies are always trying to, to forecast out into the future and figure out what's going to be the best investment at this point. You know, Florida Power and Light, a sort of major utility in this state, bet years ago that uh, natural gas was going to be the way to go. And for the last decade or so, they've been doing, you know, gangbusters because they were right. Mm-hmm. Um, Ten years ago, JEA threw in its lot with nuclear power uh, because at the time the federal government was signaling that it was. Um, interested in in investing in nuclear power. It offered tax credits. It offered loan guarantees. Um, and if you look at, there's actually a, a one of the documents that the board of directors back then looked at was this map of the southeastern United States and all the different nuclear projects that were either underway or, or hmm. being planned. And, and there were a good number of them. I mean, JEA did not... You know, clearly things did not work out the way that they had hoped, but they it wasn't like they were like going out on some limb here. I mean, they're, right. the industry, there, there was a lot of thought at the time that, um, and I've seen this word used quite a bit in the journalism about this, that the, the nuclear power was thought to be in kind of a renaissance then, and huh. it just didn't pan out for a whole lot of, pro, you know, a whole lot of reasons. Um, the availability of natural gas, the kind of shale revolution uh, with fracking, um, you know the Fukushima meltdown. Uh, there, there are a lot of reasons why, and and also nuclear power is just so enormously expensive. And so now this is the you know the phrase you often refer to the only remaining nuclear power project in the United States. Yes, um, there was a project in South Carolina um, called VC Summer uh, that was uh, along with with Plant Vogel in Georgia, one of the the the, uh, 
the other holdouts um, and that collapsed last year and uh, the FBI ended up getting involved with that it was really a big mess and yeah this is the only one well that's pretty amazing so cost balloon which leads to kind of a few weeks ago um, take us back to what happened then with JEA um, you know taking legal action um, sure and and you know there's even I, I think to, to step back maybe a tiny bit before that, um, the the background that I think is important is that JEA has an interim CEO right now uh, named Aaron Zahn. And Aaron Zahn has a very different style than his predecessor, Paul McElroy, who was very, um, very smart and, and well-liked uh, within JEA, but, but not necessarily like your typical kind of very public CEO type. And I think Aaron Zahn is more, you know, he's younger and he's more in the mold of somebody who's... Um, you know, maybe a, a more traditional CEO, someone who doesn't mind being in the being mm-hmm. in the news. Um, and Aaron Zahn has been very hostile toward um, being involved in Plant Vogel. Um, JEA since last year has had some problems with it, but it wasn't really um, the antagonist that it is today. And so, a few weeks ago, uh, JEA filed a lawsuit in Duval County Circuit Court. Um, asking a judge to invalidate this decade-old agreement that JEA has to help build these two nuclear reactors and to purchase power from them one day. They had that contract with one of the Vogel co-owners called the Municipal Electric Authority of Georgia. And so they filed a suit against the Municipal Electric Authority of Georgia, which I will refer to as MEAG going (laughs) forward. Um, And MEAG, in turn, um, filed a federal lawsuit against JEA, basically asking a judge to enforce this agreement. Right. And so th- their argument why it should be invalidated is is what? Um, JEA is saying that this contract is illegal under Florida law, um, that the, the, there's kind of two reasons they argue for this broadly, that the kind of contract that is is not allowed under the law, the the sort of obligations that it's seeking from a public agency. And also they're saying the city council should have signed off on this, which it did not in 2008. Um, Those are interesting arguments um, because, of course, the board did sign off on this and city lawyers did have a hand in overseeing this. Um, And so JA is basically asking the judge to say, hey, Look, we were we were wrong before, and so now we're asking you. You know, hey, can you can you, uh, you know, agree with us now that we were wrong back then? I mean, it's a weird argument. Right. Um, and Miag's point is, look, I mean, JEA has repeatedly affirmed the legality of this agreement. Um, there's a whole lot of paperwork that JEA and its attorneys have had to sign off on over the years, um, kind of restating their obligations under this agreement, and and all of those all of those documents kind of encompass language that JEA recognizes its obligations and agrees it's legal. And so, yeah, JEA is trying to go back on a lot of this. It's um, it's really weird. And, and so then it, it blows up in a very public way. You know, this, we don't usually see it like this. And at one point JEA goes from being kind of in the middle. I found it, found it fascinating almost on the outside. So explain what played out when uh, you were involved with all last week. Oh, boy. Um, you know, I appreciate these free uh, shots, by the way, that we get when we do this podcast. Um, Gary, don't cut that out. Um, so the 
Plant Vogel has four co-owners, and there is an agreement among these co-owners, or there was an agreement has since been changed, that if the project had a cost overrun over a certain amount, that the four co-owners got to vote on whether to continue with the project or to cancel it. And so a few weeks ago, there was a $2.3 billion cost increase announced, and that triggered this this vote. Mm-hmm. And MEAG, of course, is one of the co-owners, and JEA began lobbying MEAG relentlessly to vote against this. In order for the project to proceed, 90% of the ownership interest needed to vote to move forward. There are four owners. One is the city of Dalton, which owns like 1.6% or something, so they didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. It was really the three, the Oglethorpe Power, Georgia Power, and MEAG. Georgia Power owns 40, you know, roughly 45%. Um, they're the they're the big the big actor in all of this. Um, MEAG was never particularly receptive to JEA's arguments. Didn't really say this before the vote, but it, it was kind of reasonable to conclude that they were not going to listen to JEA and they were going to approve this, and they did. Um, they voted on Monday to move forward. Oglethorpe Power actually held out. Uh, they gave a conditional vote of approval on Monday, but said, we're not going to sign off on this um, in totality until we can get some cost caps. We want Georgia Power, which is it, Georgia Power's parent company, is kind of running the, the construction of the nuclear reactors. They're saying they need to cap our costs. We're, we're tired of this. Mm-hmm. And so over a couple of days of very long negotiations went late into the night a couple of times the co-owners hammer out this agreement that georgia power is going to cover a larger share of the cost overruns going forward um georgia power even has a has an option of buying out these co-owners if it goes over a certain amount and uh that that allowed the project to move forward against jea's wishes so in the the kind of one of the bottom lines winners and losers so you know first when i read that georgia power will cover the overruns i thought well they're they're not necessarily a winner but from the way you describe it they would probably be one of the big winners in this yeah um so georgia power is um kind of like the florida power and light of georgia they're the big utility they own some huge percentage of the market share you know they cover all of atlanta very politically connected they give a lot of donations etc etc um and so they have a reputation for being very savvy um, so this this compromise comes out last week. Project's moving forward. And to your point, Georgia Power is agreeing to cover these cost overruns going forward. Hey, it's a win-win. Well, on Friday night, um, Standard & Poor's, which is a Wall Street credit rating agency, downgrades everyone involved in the project. JEA, MEAG, Oglethorpe, City of Dalton. Actually, they put City of Dalton on review, which is not good either. Um, they all get downgraded. Georgia Power does not. Not only does Georgia Power not get downgraded, they get moved off uh, what's called a negative outlook, which is kind of a step before a downgrade. So judging by that, it looks like Georgia Power kind of came out on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, although the other co-owners got Georgia Power to agree to cover more cost overruns, they had to give up a lot of leverage to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, they will no longer get, if, if there are cost overruns, they don't get to vote to cancel this project anymore. Hmm. Um, Georgia Power's kind of been put in the driver's seat. And I think that apparently credit rating analysts think that that was a, a pretty big coup for them. 
So yeah, obviously that final twist was big news for JEA. What, and I guess the bottom line to all of this thing, I think when people are reading this, like what does this mean for JEA ratepayers, and do do we know that yet? We don't. Um, in the past, JEA has said that in the short to moderate future, they don't see any need to increase rates. And I don't think that that's changed. Um, in dollars and cents, I mean, right now, this Vogel entanglement is costing JEA or will cost JEA something like two and a half billion dollars, maybe more than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just not really clear. Um, there is, I mean, look, there is a possibility that these nuclear reactors get finished on a timeline and on a total price tag that are somewhere near where they're projected to be right now. And if that were the case, this isn't quite the boondoggle that a lot of people fear it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a lot of skepticism that these reactors will get done in that way. But if they did, you know, JEA would be getting 206 megawatts, which is about 10% of, of its needs. Um, and, and that's all carbon-free power or, you know, carbon emission-free power. They'd be overpaying for it, but, you know, it would be useful. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the real concern is that, you know, these reactors aren't going to get done. Right. I mean, this is a project that is doubled in cost. I mean, it thought to cost $14 billion 10 years ago, and we're at 27 right now. Mm-hmm. And some of the some of the parties involved argue it's closer to $30 billion, but yeah, it's a lot more than it was projected to be. Hmm. Um, so what's next for JEA? I think you're right. The fight now turns to the courtroom. Yeah, these lawsuits. Um, again, JEA is being sued in federal court by MEAG, and JEA is suing MEAG in, in Duval County Circuit Court. Um, I think those lawsuits will get consolidated um, in one venue or another. It would seem logical. It's maybe going to end up in federal court, um, and and we'll just have to see. I, I mean, I really don't know what's going to play out there. This contract, I, I mean, it, just from a from a non attorney, you know, simple reporter like myself, I mean, I do think JEA's got a got a pretty hard sell here. Um, ultimately, they're they're asking a judge to take their word and undo you know a decade of legal findings by JEA itself mm-hmm. and uh, I just I, I don't know the the kind of contract that it that it has with MEAG is called a hell or high water contract or a take or pay I think is the proper industry term they're fairly common in the energy industry and and they're I mean they're called hell or high water for a reason I mean there there's not a whole lot of uh, flexibility here you sign on to it you're obligated uh, you know, and, and you are for the very reason that utilities, when they build these big nuclear power projects, they need certainty. They need to know that partners are going to be there. And so these contracts are deliberately written in such a way that that once you sign it, you're you're locked in, you mm-hmm. know. And, and in fact, JEA is locked in whether these reactors get done or not. We're right. on the hook for construction debt. So, um, you know, who knows? Um, I mean, I, I you know, I'm not going to predict the outcome, but. Um, yeah, it'll be a tough fight for them. Well, great. Um, well, obviously, we, we will. you can follow on Jacksonville.com and in the Times Union for further developments about, a, I won't call it the Jacksonville Electric Authority, because I know that's one of Nate's pet peeves when people do that, because explain why. 
that's not the name. It's right. yeah, it's just not the name. They acquired JEA acquired <laughs> the city's sewer and water system years and years ago, like twenty years ago, and they rebranded themselves JEA, and it's just JEA. It's <laughs> probably frustrating. Obviously, people in our highest rungs of government still struggle with this concept, but it really is just JEA. See, this is where I wish we had a camera because you could just me saying that it's like nails on a chalkboard for <laughs> Nate, but. But actually, I appreciate because, yeah, that is that is no longer its name. So, um, well, for whatever you want to call it, pay attention to Jacksonville.com and the Florida Times Union and look for Nate's stories. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Mark. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.